0: Welcome in to another episode of Home Field Advantage. My name is Will Highland. It's October 9th, 2023. I hope you're all having a great start to your week, wherever you may be listening to this podcast, across our great country or our great land. And also, welcome on the YouTube stream, if you are watching there. So, yesterday... I promised more when it came to the utter debacle that was the New England Patriots showing versus the New Orleans Saints yesterday. That was something I promised. That's something I will deliver on. That will be the main topic of conversation for this morning's episode. I will also talk about some of the other struggling teams in the NFL. And I will also touch on two non-football topics quickly at the end of the program. Um, so, as far as the Patriots are concerned, this is—it's becoming increasingly hard for me to defend the play of Mac Jones. Um, I don't participate in the hot take Olympics. I'm not one of the several Patriots fans that hates Mac Jones and wants him off the team and wants to root against him. I'm not somebody who wishes we had done something else at the time. I think what we did at the time of the 2021 draft, that's who the best quarterback was at the time, and we needed a quarterback, so we drafted Mac Jones, who was available to us. Would it have been great if they had addressed the problem the year before with Jalen Hurts? Yes. That's something I wrote about and talked about for months leading up to the 2020 draft. Um, That did not happen. 2021 came around. The Cam Newton experience was undesirable, not fun, much like yesterday. So we went out and we drafted the best quarterback who was available at that moment to us. Now, in retrospect, I still like the draft pick. I still was really impressed with Mac's 2021 campaign. In 2021, Mac Jones was a rookie of the year candidate. And you could argue the only reason he didn't win was because Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell, his former college teammate at Bama, were just so explosive with the receiving game that it was unlikely for Jones to um. To win that award. So. With all that said. I'm just taking a sip of my orange juice here. With all that said. 2022. Was a disaster. We know that bad offensive coaching. Um, Not a lot of playmakers. Bad offensive line play. So a lot of. What we're seeing right now. What I hoped would be different, though, is after the first two games, it looked like while this Patriots offense wasn't amazing, it looked like they were improved and improving. Since then, however, against the Jets, the Cowboys, and yesterday with New Orleans, they look like they're not improving. And what I told you two weeks ago was that to look with your eyes and not the narrative. All right. Now that I'm looking with my eyes, it's becoming increasingly hard to find optimism in this Patriots offense. At all. And it's not just the offense, it's the whole team, which we'll get to in a second. So it's becoming increasingly hard to do that. I've seen what Mac Jones can do at his peak. At his peak, he's a very efficient quarterback who can throw the ball around the yard, spread it out to different receivers. You know throw for 400 350 yards something like that and a few touchdowns and give you a chance to win the game that's what you can do at his Peak all right at his floor which we've seen the past two weeks he turns the ball over um for points uh three times exact uh, to be exact uh has been his turnover has directly resulted in a touchdown for the opponent in the last two weeks and when the other when the other team scores 69, uh, sorry, 72 on you in two weeks. Um, and 21 of those are a direct result of the quarterback turning the ball over. Um, that's not a good thing, obviously. So, that's something that's that I've seen. The other thing I've seen, quite frankly, is a quarterback who doesn't have any confidence and. I think think this sort of leads me to my second point. So my second point is, you have a quarterback that doesn't have a ton of confidence. All right. And I think the reason for this is there's a lot of self-doubt in New England right now. A lot of it. The most I've seen in my lifetime watching this team. The thing I told you at the beginning of the year was that this was going to be a consequential season, the most important of my life, and that there were going to be some things that happened this year that changed the direction of the franchise for better or for worse. And what I've seen right now is the struggles of the quarterback and the rest of the team and the cloud of self-doubt that now hangs over this team is spreading. So not only is the play of Mac Jones in the offense, particularly the offensive line, really horrible the last two weeks. You also have a defense that's banged up, that is beginning to doubt how possibly how explosive it is, that did a really poor job of tackling. I mean, look, they've had a guy every year, or excuse me, every week this year, that the defenses had to basically camp um uh prepare for. So like the Patriots offense doesn't have that guy, but like week one, AJ Brown, week two was Tyree Kill and Waddle, week three. Um, you know, you had Garrett Wilson that you sort of had to tame, which they did a pretty good job of. Week four, you had um, you know, whether it was D uh, C D Lamb or Tony Pollard, and then you know, this week was Camara. They haven't done a really good job against Dallas and New Orleans of tackling anybody. So, like, don't let the defense off the hook. Yeah, I I mean, what everyone always says is, yeah, they've been on the field a lot. Well, yeah, like, that makes sense in the third quarter. But in the first quarter, when it's the first possession of the game and the other team is doing whatever they want to do offensively, then it's not about that right now. The same thing first quarter, second quarter. Like... They get off to these slow starts, and everyone, you know, blames the offense, which is true. They fall in these deficits partly because Jones is turning the ball over, but also, like, when you get down twenty-one nothing, like, and two of those touchdowns are offensive touchdowns, and anytime you lose by thirty or more, it's more than just one unit. All right, so the defense, it's spreading. The self-doubt is spreading. You know, with Judon and Gonzalez being hurt. And them getting run over in two consecutive games, that doubt is spreading. Third thing that I've seen is um, the the special teams unit in the the punt return game, in the kick return game, I don't think is getting a lot of uh, focus. Um, It's horrible. The field position does not help at all. Our punt return game is horrendous without Marcus Jones. Um it, it Jabril Peppers doesn't look like he wants to do it. He looks like he just wants to fair catch everything. Like I saw him yesterday in the third quarter. Yeah, you're down a few scores. I think it was 21 to nothing at that point. He's receiving a punt, and there's open yards ahead of him. And look, I'm not a special teams guru, but I mean, there was like nobody within 20 yards of him. And so he was like, you know, giving up 15. 10 yards just because maybe he didn't want to muff it. Maybe he just didn't want to take that risk. Like maybe, I don't know, but when you're down 21-nothing, I would hope a special team spark might be something you were interested in doing. So offense, defense, special teams, it's spreading throughout the team. It's also spreading the coaching staff, I don't think, believes, you know, going not going for it on fourth and three when you're down 24 to nothing on the same for one of the only times you made it to the Saint side of the field yesterday. You're not going for it on fourth and three. That tells me that you've given up in the third quarter, right? Like, you know, I never saw Bill Belichick give up when they were down 24 to nothing at halftime to Denver 2013 and never some when they were, you know, obviously in the Super Bowl down by those scores, even earlier in this year, right? Not just during the Brady era, Brady era and big games, but earlier this year. So. I, I think the coaching staff has given up a little bit. All right. And then the last and most important thing, and I'm going to take a sip of my orange juice before I go into this one. I think the fans have given up. Um, I really do. I think the fans have given up on this team. I think a lot of fans gave up on this team before the season even began. They weren't willing to give this team a chance. Um, before the season and what they've seen the last 2 weeks just validated them. And that was something I harped on last week was what's more important to you? Is it important to win or is it important to be right? I think for a lot of people they wanted to be right and you know they've kind of sat back these last 2 weeks as we've gotten blown out and instead of you know I'm not not trying to hype myself up here I'm just trying to tell you what I've been saying and you can go back and roll the tape. I've I've tried to look for optimism I've tried to find solutions, you know, I haven't just sat here and come up with excuse after excuse or mistake after mistake or bad take after bad take. But I think a lot of people, a lot of Pats fans wanted, sort of wanted validation that they were right at the beginning of the year that Pats were going to suck. I think that's true. I think a lot of people wanted that validation. I saw all over my Facebook timeline yesterday person after person after person, you know, with a negative, you know, Facebook post or tweet or whatever um, about this team. So I think the fans have, I think the fans have given up because, I mean, let's face it. And as much as I hate this narrative, excuse me, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Patriots fans who under my age, you know, maybe like 35 and under, don't understand what it's like to have a really bad team. Right. Like and and they're sort of like they're in denial about it. So what they do is they like lash out about it and like get really super, you know, reactive and hyper-emotional about it. Um and I hate that narrative, but the the older folks are right about us in some respect. We we don't understand. So I think like for a lot of hardcore pets people who are under the age of like 30, 35, Get really, really uh, worked up about this stuff, um, and the other thing I'd point to is that, like, look like before today, I didn't think you, I didn't think they should tank the season, right? Like, I think any talk of tanking before week five or six is uh, really premature. But now that we're heading into week six, and this team is one and four, and I mean they're going on the road to Vegas. Which um, isn't an easy place to play, and was a house of horrors last season. I mean, if they drop this game and then you got Buffalo and Miami back to back, I think if you lose this game, you 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 tank the season. If you lose against Vegas, I think you tank the season. Um, I do. If you, you know, if you beat Vegas, then maybe you revisit it after Buffalo or Miami. But you know. Back to the fans thing. I think a lot of fans want that. Like, a lot of fans want to tank the season. They want to just, which is weird, considering, like, every Patriots fan I talk to is really hell-bent on. We, I care about winning. I care about winning. And they want to tank the season. In an AFC that's pretty bad, still. Um, with no clear playoff teams in the AFC outside of Miami or Kansas City. Because Baltimore and... Buffalo both lost yesterday. So those teams are three and two, you know? And so what I'm saying is, you know, you, you really got to pick one of, you know, sort of three options right now. And I'm going to get to those in a second uh, as I close out this topic. But the last point I'll make on the fans is this. I don't want to cause a wedge in Patriots. I'm not trying to act like I'm better than others. Like, Maybe I'm the naive one, right? Perhaps I'm the naive one. That could be very true. But I just sort of try and live when it comes to sports. Like there's so many other important things in the world, right, than sports. Like we all love sports for a reason. I started a sports media company because I love sports. But the, I mean, look around the world. There's a lot more important things and significant things going on right now than an NFL team starting one and four. But I guess I just, I'm trying to live in reality here, right? And reality is, okay, the football team is bad. Yes. All right. But I personally do not want to blow up a NFL roster for the sake of blowing up an NFL roster because the fans have, are out with pitchforks. That's not what I, I don't want to participate in that, right? This not, that's not even what Boston sports does. Like, we don't do that in Boston. Like this, the precedent that the Patriots set for the last two decades and a half was that that doesn't happen here. You look around, like I'll just I'll use another team in town as an example. The Celtics drafted in the top five, I believe, in 15, 16, and 17. And I believe that came out with Rozier, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. Um, Marcus Smart I believe 14 they may have as well I I'm not 100% sure on that but they like drafted in the top five or six like four years in a row but well, that was almost 10 years ago and they still haven't won a championship all right they tanked, they rebuilt they went out they brought guys in like Al Horford or whatever um over the years Gordon Hayward Kyrie Irving they did this whole rebuild thing and they still have won a championship. And the NBA, I would argue, is probably one of the easiest leagues to win a championship in because you just have to build a talented roster and you're probably going to make, you know, the conference finals at least. All right. You know, the Red Sox, right, have been up and down forever. You know, the Bruins have had a steady uh, you know, success linear path, but they only have one championship to show for it. Right, so this whole rebuilding thing. Just look around the NFL. All right, the Jags draft drafted in the top five. How many years out of the last ten? Probably seven or eight. They've won one playoff game since that 2017 year that they almost beat the pass. Right. So my my point is is if you want to tank, sure. You know if if, if I don't I don't want to divide Patriots fans. I don't want to act like I'm a know it all. If you want to tank. Who knows? That could happen. All I'm saying is if you want to blow this team up, you gotta have a plan. And that's why I think there's sort of three plans uh that you look at right now. Uh first plan is uh, first plan is to ride it out. All right, ride it out, Mac Jones, continue to put him out there. Steve, you could turn it around. Bill O'Brien's supposed to be this coach that helps Mac Jones and coaches him up like McDaniels did in his first year. So far, I haven't seen it outside of the first game or so. That's that's option number one. You ride it out, you see what you can do. If you suck, you suck. But you don't do anything drastic or reactionary. Second plan is to absolutely tank and go full out. Bench Jones for the rest of the year. Play everyone's, you know, you know, favorite, <laughs> favorite North Pole. Uh, no, I'm not gonna make a short joke because I'm short too. But like, I like Bailey Zapp. He seems like a nice kid. But like, I just watch him play football, and I'm just like, he's way too small. And he was overthrowing receivers yesterday, and he's just missing guys. Like, seems like a nice guy. Good. Good locker room guy seems like he's smart with the playbook, possibly, or in the scout team, but I the dude, the dude's not an NFL quarterback. So, like that would be option number two is to put Zappy in there, completely tank the season, and uh plan on trying to draft a college quarterback in the offseason and move on from Mac. That sounds like what a lot of people want to do, but uh, I hate to break it to you. But if you follow college football, you know that Caleb Williams is not gonna leave. I would not leave. It either if I were him, but he's not going to leave Southern California to go to an NFL team in New England when he still has a year left of eligibility. So unless it's clear, he's going to get drafted. I think he mentioned a few teams. It's like the Cowboys, the Raiders. I think it was the Packers or the Giants, possibly but I think the Giants were really the only East coast team he was even saying he would go to, which isn't, I don't think is going to happen because they've got Daniel Jones who they're paying $40 million a year. So just think about that every time you're mad about Mac Jones. At least Mac Jones is costing us not a lot of money right now. All right, so that's option number two. Go full out, tank, start Zappy for the rest of the year, and hope that you can go get a um, new quarterback in the draft. It's probably going to be somebody I would pick Bo Nix at this point or uh, Devin Leary. Um, That's who I like. A lot of people like Drake May or K.J. Jefferson, um, Sam Hartman, Quinn Yours is good. I like Quinn Yours too. Um I have a lot of different uh takes on takes on college football quarterbacks. It's maybe a topic for another show, but that's so that's option two. Option three, and this is the one that I personally would do. All right, and I advocated this with my friends the other day. I would right now, today, sit down, Bailey Zappy. And say, thank you, Bailey. Appreciate your two wins last year. No. Have a nice day. Thanks, dude. Maybe wave you. Maybe you end up on our practice squad. All right. Then I would turn to Mac Jones in a separate conversation and say, look, Mac, clearly, man, you don't have it this year. Um, Your first two games were pretty good. But since then, you've been, I mean, bad. And this is coming from a Mac Jones defender. Been you've been bad uh the last few games. So we're not going to start you the rest of the year. Um, we're gonna just have you sit, we're gonna have you learn the playbook more, you know, if you develop more, you're gonna work hard in practice. Um, you do all the mental get get more mentally um in 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 tune, maybe work on your arm strength, just get more mentally. There, because I think he has a huge, like I said, stealth doubt mental block right now. Because, and with a horrible offensive line, you could put him continue to keep putting him out there, he's just going to get rocked. All right, so at least you save him from that. Then I would turn the free agent market and I'd say, Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, whoever wants to come in, hell, Philip Rivers, honestly, anyone who wants to come in and sort of guide this offense, make it not abhorrent but obviously not the 20 you know 2013 Broncos out there bring those guys bring a guy like that in for the rest of the year and say look we just want to be a respectable franchise if we finish 7 and 10 or 6 and 11 at best so be it at least we're not drafting at the bottom because as I said it does not matter if you draft one two three four or five you're not going to find your next quarterback if you're looking for Caleb Williams he's not going to come to New England all right, so just get that out of your head right now. Caleb Williams will not be a New England po- Patriot, and neither will Shooter Sanders. All right, just put that out of your brain right now. And then you say, just make this a respectable operation. We're okay if, we're dra- if, we, if we draft in the top 15, so be it. And then you just revisit the quarterback situation in the offseason. Because chances are you could still, in, in the draft, Get some get a project quarterback like Quinn yours or um, Devin Leary or Sam Hartman or Bo Nix. You could probably get one of those guys in the first, late first, second round. And then at least you're not embarrassing yourself um, every, every week like they have been in the past two. So that's what I would do. People might disagree with me. And then in the offseason, you can revisit the Jones thing because you get, I mean, maybe you get him into a few games late in the year. Um, get try and get, Just try and work him in where he doesn't feel like the entire fan base is against him. The team isn't playing for him. He has no offense and everyone hates him. You know what I mean? Just like, just get him in a situation if you still want to develop him where he's just not going to be constantly under duress in all phases of life, right? On the football field, in the media, with the fans, with his teammates, and it's like because he's his first year, he handled the pressure really well. I think there's sort of been a mental block for him the last two years, and you have to find some way to salvage that if you if you're still interested in doing that. If you're not, then you know you take the second approach and you fully tank, and then you just let him go. All right, so those are my Patriots thoughts. All right, moving on real quick here um Bengals also continuing to struggle I believe they they did come out with a win yesterday Jamar Chase had a huge game they beat Arizona I, I believe I'm actually not 100% sure I'm pretty sure they beat Arizona based on the score the other team though that continues to struggle is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and look, I, I, you know, I thought they got robbed a little bit yesterday. I thought they played a really good game against the Chiefs. They're probably the unluckiest team in the NFL at the moment. Um, to to go one and four and play like they have, against a really, really hard schedule, um, you know, to play the Chiefs and the Eagles in the first five weeks, you know, it, it's like uh, a little bit. A little bit tough of a schedule. So I think the good news for Minnesota is the NFC is also really bad. Again, there's not a lot of pull-away teams in the NFL right now. There's not. And in that conference, you're looking at the 49ers and the Eagles that are the class. All right? The Packers have played pretty well, too, with Jordan Love. I'm looking to be wrong about Jordan Love as well. But um, but let me pull up the standings here. I would not give up yet if I'm a Minnesota Viking fan. I would not. Um, the Justin Jefferson looks a little banged up. That's that that scares that would scare me a little bit if I was a Viking fan. But I'm choosing not to freak out because, like, oh, Detroit. Detroit's also four and one. That was a team everybody was high on. So Detroit and Green Bay. I thought I thought Green Bay for some reason was uh four and one as well. They're I think they had their bye and their two and two, but they still look pretty good. Tampa looks okay. Um, San Francisco looks okay. Seattle looks okay. But, you know, it's not like they can't end up better, you know, than Atlanta or new Orleans or the Rams at the end of the year. Um, you know, that's, that's not, uh, that's not, um, uncommon you know in, for a team in a bad conference to you know catch fire and maybe contend for a wild card spot and that's all it's going to take even if they don't win their division um, I don't think the NFC is going to be that much better than the AFC at the end of the year I think there's going to be a few top teams at the in both conferences at the end of the season and Minnesota could find themselves in a wild card spot still because they they ha- so last year right this is the law of averages that I tried to say about the Minnesota Vikings at the beginning of the year is, and I think Cam made this point too, is, you know, they won a lot of close games last year. And now they're losing a lot of close games. That's the NFL, right? That's a lot of averages. The Pats have lost a lot of close games since Brady left, right? That's the difference is, right, razor thin, really hard. It's so hard to win. A lot of people don't understand how hard it is to win in the NFL. All right. Two quick things, non football related, then we'll close out the show. One, never mentioned this but on last week's show, but Ronald Acuna Jr. getting to the 40 70, that means 40 home runs, 70 steals in Major League Baseball is an impressive thing, despite what everyone's trying to say. I shouldn't say everyone, a faction of people are trying to say about the bases being bigger. Um, I disagree. Uh, I, I don't think that minimizes it. At most, Maybe that's an increase in, you know, five to 10 more stolen bases for a guy like Acuna. But a guy like Acuna was already fast. He was already athletic. Um, And he was, you know, already uh, a impact player across the board. And, you know, he, he was injured a couple of years ago. He's been injured a handful of times in his career. Um. And so for him to finally put in a healthy season, I think means more than, you know, the pickoff rule or the stolen bases. Um, I just think he's that guy. And I think this Braves team, if they go on to win the World Series, um, could be one of the best teams we've seen in modern era of baseball. 2018 Red Sox uh, side. Gosh, Zoom. It's over this shoulder. No, it's over that one. Over that one. Okay. Uh, Other thing is. uh, other thing I want to mention real quick is the NHL and ESPN are bringing a red zone style. uh, Like shell, I guess is the right word or streaming system. Uh, that would be a lot like red zone in that you can watch multiple games at a time. Um, John Bucci gross is going to be hosting it. Um, I think he's a good guy for that. It's going to be like a highlight show slash like live look-ins Stuff like that with, they say you're going to see every goal, every hit, every, you know, whatever. Um, so that could be pretty uh, pretty entertaining, and I have high hopes that uh, that ends up being a good product, because if so, that could go a long way for the sport. So I'm excited about that, and that won't debut until a couple of weeks from now, but the league begins on Wednesday, believe it or not. Believe it or not, we're out of time for this episode of Home Field Advantage. Uh, Please excuse that ding um, because that actually worked out well as a good reminder that it is time to close up shop. But I appreciate you tuning in, whether it be on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Please check us out on social media as well at Home Field Pod. You can also subscribe there um, or excuse me, like us there and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be back on Thursday with another show. And in the meantime, you can check out uh, Odd Man Rush for more hockey content. Speaking of that, uh, that will be out uh, tonight uh, or tomorrow morning, I think, um, with our Eastern Conference preview uh, with these around So, you to tune into that until next time this has been home field advantage if you liked this podcast please subscribe on your favorite provider including spotify apple google and stitcher you could also listen to home field advantage and filling up wherever you listen to podcasts home field advantage is now expanding to two days a week, Monday and Thursday so we hope you all check us out there and follow us at Homefield Pod Every Sportland USA program is an independent program and the opinions expressed on them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.